Hello and welcome to Marketing in Times of Recovery. This episode goes live on Friday, July the 2nd and the next day, Saturday, July 3rd is a very special day as it's our first birthday. So before we kick off the show, I wanted to run a little competition for my UK based listeners. I've had some rather nifty marketing in times of recovery branded mugs made up in honour of our birthday. If you want to get hold of one, all you need to do is leave us a review, ideally on Apple Podcasts or CastBox if you're not on there. Just say what you think about the show, of a particular episode, of me, of the host, anything you want really. And before you hit post, take a quick screen grab of it, then post it. Then share what you've your screen grab on social media and tag me. I'm on Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn. So you could easily find me, Iowa Bass, uh, which is spelled A-Y-O-A-B-B-A-S. Then once you've tagged me, I will drop you a line to get your details and your mug will be winging its way to you soon after. If you want more details on the competition, um, this can be found on my website, which is www.abathmarketing.com. And I've got 15 mugs to give away. Anyway, that's enough of the competition and now on with the show. Today, my guests are the highly talented engineers, Stephen Melville and James Solly, who run Format Engineers. In our discussion, we talk about a host of things, from how they stand out from traditional structural engineering firms, why they love being involved throughout the life stages of a project, and why they feel it's so important. And then we finally talk about some of the kind of marketing tactics that have worked for them as a small practice. If you're a regular listener to the show, make sure you do subscribe so you don't miss out on an episode. And now I'll stop talking and let you get on with listening. Enjoy. Hi, Steve, and hi, James. Um, welcome to uh, Marketing in Times of Crisis. So my first question to you is, I'm going to start with you, Stephen. Can you give me an intro- introduction to Format Engineers, who you are and your role? Uh, former engineers are <coughs> we're primarily structural engineers, but um, structural engineers, I suppose, coming at it from a slightly different angle in that, you know, we feel traditional structural engineering is all very well, but you know, engineers have some great skill sets in geometry, coding, mathematics, science, etc. We're all brought up with a very broad science-based uh, background, <clears throat> and we like to apply those to engineering. We like to uh, go further than traditional engineering and apply some you know, original research um, to do our own coding, to help architects and other designers with things which aren't structural engineering, or at least not traditional structural engineering. So that's been our ethos uh, uh, since we started. We did start in 2014, so we're a relatively young practice, but already we've grown to quite a reasonable size. And I suppose in terms of the kind of work we do, it's... Uh, 50% international, I'd say, and the remaining 50, 50% probably split between local and national work. And it's a huge range of stuff. Um, yeah. I'm sure James will have more of what we do in detail. Yeah, I can do that. I am, I am the other director, the non-founding director um, of Format, and I joined the practice now full-time about, yeah. oh gosh, two years ago? Yeah, um, having been involved for throughout the sort of creation of format from a distance before that, um, 
think we largely we both work on a mix of everything but i'd say our projects split down into some housing projects and like high design like very well and very carefully designed housing projects yeah um we do a lot of art and sculpture um which is a big part of the workload that we really really enjoy yeah. being part of um and we do quite a lot which of fabrication detailing and design for like bespoke metal staircases and things like that so that gives us a real um understanding of the final detail of of creation not just taking it up to sort of scheme level and passing it off to a fabricator we we get involved throughout that process to to literally installing things on site oh so you actually go and you visit the sites as well and you're involved in that kind of aspect of making sure it's doing what it's meant to do when global pandemics allow, then yes. <laughs> I, think that's, I, think it's, I think it's worth saying that's an, an important part of our makeup as well, which is, you know, we, we get involved in very unusual, challenging projects. But if you take the stance, that we're just going to do the concept design, then you don't gain, you don't gain the experience of how these things are actually built and installed, yeah. then losing vital feedback in how you design it. So, yeah, we are, I think our, as one of our taglines, one of our marketing says we're equally um, interested in the act of making as we are in the act of designing because one informs the other. Absolutely. And do clients really like the fact that you're involved all the way through? I'd imagine they would, wouldn't they? Yeah, I think it's also interesting talking to our peers. And so I was speaking to some professionals working in, within education where I also also sit sometimes. And they were saying it's interesting looking at our firm as one that if you consider the traditional line of sort of design, then engineering, then fabrication, we've sort of grown gently outwards in both directions in that we do very much crossover with design and we do very much crossover with fabrication, which means sometimes we're the the group that are informing the, the the early stage design of fabrication criteria. So because we have that experience in the fabrication side, we get to do some early input on the requirements of fabrication yeah. before you end up getting an actual fabricator involved. Um, and that's from learning from the variety of amazing fabricators we we work with really regularly. You know, we, we try and learn as much as we can from them. Um, but I can imagine the early stage involvement also is a huge benefit to the client, isn't it? Because it's like you get in early, that's when you actually, you know, the design is, is more on track of what is actually going to be built, isn't it? So it must be quite a huge benefit and yeah. value to them. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, clients want to employ engineers and designers that would be, I suppose, a, a safe pair of hands that can you know, sort of develop their vision. And they also want people to, you know, call it phrase, have skin in the game and not you know, cop out halfway through because oh, I only do concept designs. So I think it is, a, it is a, you know, clients very much do appreciate it. And we're not going to stop doing it. We're always, we, t- we, we tend to almost insist on being involved at the later stages if we can, because you know, often these projects are our babies and we want to see them through, but also we want to soak up that experience of building things. Yeah. That's a great USP. So it's brilliant. And in terms of, I guess, lockdown as we're sort of transitioning out of the current one, how has that been for you and how have you found work and, and how, how's your business been operating? I guess over well, the past we've year. gone through about three stages of discussion on this, honestly, because we were already set up from the very beginning format 
if you think we was born in 2014, which yeah. meant that a lot of their technology now being used and businesses are panicking and trying to onboard their staff to use these tools <laughs> because they need to. We were just using because when we started, they were the best tools for the job. The best way of starting up a business was not to have a server sitting in the corner of the office, but was to have all your documentation already in a cloud <laughs> server. So formats from the start was made up of, well, one, it started at the right time with technology and also at the very beginning, there were people working everywhere. I think mm. there was only really Steve in one specific office place. Mm. Um, so we, you were we remote were working anyway. Yeah. Yeah, with tools. And so even though over the years we've then ended up more with a team sat in an office together, the minute we all had to go home, it actually wasn't a problem. Everyone just picked their laptops up and left. And then obviously over the next week, we got monitors moved around and things, but it really wasn't a stress. So from that point of view, we were really lucky. Yeah. And then the first thing was kind of interesting. It was great. We were thinking, yeah, this kind of works. But I think Steve should probably touch on this, but I think it dawned on us throughout that as much as we were able to do it, and while some people were panicking, we were fine, it isn't actually how we like to work. Yeah, I mean, I must because I wrote an article about this for building... No, was it the, the, the Reba Journal? Reba Journal. Yeah. The Reba Journal. And, and I wrote the article at the beginning of the uh, pandemic, actually. And I was a little bit kind of evangelistic about, oh, this is great remote working, it's proved to work, etc. But... Actually, I think the problem is when you're designing things and you're designing things at quite a pace, you, you, you miss that, the nuances of working with people and those little kind of side conversations, the little things yeah. that you latch onto that spark imagination. You miss all that yeah. if you're remote. So as much as I think these tools are brilliant and they prove themselves, as James said, mm -hmm. since we started... I don't think you, you still can't beat face-to-face -face human re interaction in designing things. Yeah. And, in, and in, in, even yesterday, I was talking to an architect about a potential new job we have, and he was saying, I'm going to come and I'm going to, my team is going to sit at your conference table for two days because, frankly, we can't do this about interaction and I'm fed up of doing things remotely. <laughs> so I think... As, you know, we, the, the tools, as James said, are completely a mesh in what we do. But I think the di big difference is, as designers, is you need to have a, a strong element of human interaction, face-to-face human interaction. Yeah. I think will continue. I guess it's that creativity element, isn't it, as well? It's that, yeah, it's, it's not the same online, sadly. You can do a lot, though, but it's not the same. And I think it's... The, the, the legwork bits you can just go away and do and I think that's yeah. something that's fine the bit where it's very much hands-on creative and I think another addition I wanted to add is that we we have a very nosy and inquisitive team I think that's the sort of people we would want to as well and it's it's useful to overhear something going on in the office and be like oh ah, I've got an input on that um yeah and you kind of gather and it's you we you know, like many others, we use um, chat for the office, but that still, it doesn't work in the same way. Even if you're sort of listening yeah. in to all of the typed conversations, <clears throat> it still doesn't work the same as sort of overhearing something mm. and your brain starts firing and you you, yeah. you shout out. And I think that works better in the office. But I suppose I did, the original, yeah. your original question was how are you faring in uh, COVID time? So in terms of the way we work, I think we're getting back to more of an equilibrium now where more of us are together. Yeah. I think that what was interesting when the uh, the pandemic started, I think our workload dropped off 
dropped off the cliff. Mm. And we thought, oh dear, this isn't very good. And then a week later, it climbed back up again. And then two weeks after that, it then was higher than it was before the pandemic. <laughs> and then ever since, it hasn't really let up, to be honest. No, we've had, it, it's still mixed, but no, it's, it's, it's mostly bounced back. Yeah, it's been quite full on, very full on at times, mid-pandemic. And I think it's interesting as well. You look at the type of work because, you know, we, as James said, we do, we do lots of contemporary houses. We do lots of works of public works of art. We do, yeah. uh, you know, pavilions and things, some of which could be counted as, in a way, vanity projects. You know, if your, your public work of art, is it, is it strictly needed in a time of desperate uh, austerity? And you think, well, you know, maybe that's the first thing to go. But actually, no, it's the opposite. Yeah, it has been. Mm. I think there's been a real focus on bringing culture back post-pandemic, um, which we're very happy in, to be involved in, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. That's actually a, very, that's a lovely thing to hear, actually. It's, it's quite positive, isn't it? Because you kind of think open spaces, art, you want all of that to come back, don't you, and still be vibrant and, and, and going. Mm. So... Have you done anything in particular to market yourself, I guess, in the past year? Or is it mainly been word of mouth? How, do you, how does your business kind of come to your doors? I think we have a, an absolute mix, and I'm glad that we don't just have one uh, recourse. Um, ways we get work are absolutely, we get local work through word of mouth, I think. Um, yeah. We get repeat work, which we're really proud that we, we keep working with uh, previous clients a lot. And as they grow, we grow, um, which has been, which is you know, a lo- lovely thing to do with people. Um, we make use of social media. We've had a few projects through that. Yes. So not a primary course of work. I think social media is good from a reputational mm. point of view. I mean, I'm always quite impressed and quite proud that people in France have heard of us, for example, when they talk about yeah is or you know people i wouldn't have expected to hear of a small practice that only started in 2014 have heard of us yeah i agree and they, i think so social media is a, is a re- is fantastic reputational tool that's a good i think that's absolutely true and it, i think it also reminds people sometimes that, that yeah. we're there or they they see something, oh these guys could help with that you know yeah. and so certainly that's been a big part of our we very deliberately, we're both, I think, slightly media, social media skeptics, the two of us, but we have to, we, we, have to, we have to work hard at deliberately putting stuff out there or we tend to forget because we get sucked into doing projects, which is what we enjoy doing much more than we enjoy shouting about projects. Yeah, but yeah. I think so. We, we both definitely have to rely on some of the younger members of the team to remind us to actually put stuff out. But I think that's yeah. been something we've worked, worked harder on. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a bit of social media. It's, a lot of it is repeat business and, you know, clients that we've known for many years. And I think this it, word has got around, to mm. be honest. It's quite interesting. The word has got around. And we're getting recommendations for people we don't know because they've heard of us and they've heard we're the people who kind of won't blink. Often, yeah. a, often a, a tricky challenge, we're the people that won't blink. So, you know, you, you get people coming to you out of the blue and say, I want this massive project to be signed in four weeks for a festival and if it doesn't get done, we're all dead. And you know, yeah. we go, oh, okay, all right. And we're the only people who go, oh, okay, all right. Yeah. yeah. And then you don't sleep for four weeks. I'm going to sleep for four weeks. So yeah, absolutely. I, I think we like to say, that may be an important thing to say, is we say yes to any early discussion, almost universally. Um, yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean that then the project will be something that happens, but... 
I think we are, we've always been quite strong at just going, well, we'll help you talk about it and we'll offer you some advice. And then a lot of the time we do end up doing those jobs. But yeah. um, <laughs> I think we're always open to that first meeting. I think we're always open to that first meeting. I think also we've established a niche in the sense of, you know, we don't consider ourselves a normal structural engineers. You know, we've got a, a huge expertise in digital design. Just um, huge, yeah. Yeah, the digital modeling. Um, to the point where, you know, we don't offer it as an additional service. It's a part of what we do. Mm. It's part yeah. of every day what we do. <clears throat> um, and that is, and that is still quite a small world, but we're known, well known in that small world. So we tend to get lots of uh, recommendations for projects just as being, you know, famous in that world. I suppose the hope is that world will expand yeah. as digital modeling and computational design becomes more widespread. Mm. So I think, I think one of the important things is in marketing is having an, ex- identify, having an expertise that you feel passionate about, you haven't just made up because it makes, it makes money, and then just going for it and relentlessly going for it and being really good at it, and then that pays off. Which is what you've been doing, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, and so in terms of your social media i've just got a question so do you kind of i mean how often do you post and are there particular things that work particularly well for you on social media or you're not sure oh i guess we're still finding our feet we're certainly not good at this uh maybe <laughs> but hopefully more I, of the our, our, our project work actually speaks for itself rather than the way we use the media which perhaps is something that we're lucky for um yeah. I would say we have found that more, we've actually found which we really like that actually the more technical side of our work tends to get more, um, I don't Comments know, engagement. Or something. I don't know, yeah, I'm yeah. not good at these likes, whatever, um, than sometimes the things that we think look glossier. So we'll put some images up thinking they look really cool and crisp and clean. And then, yeah, they kind of get some reaction. And then we put something up that's maybe a bit rougher, but shows some technique we're using or some... Or a process, yeah. toy that we're fiddling with on part of a project. And actually, that tends to get a much bigger reaction, we found. Um, mm. So that's something we're yeah. trying to, to make sure we do more of, is capture the work-in-progress stuff, like how we're using tools, yeah. why we're using tools. And we're, I think that's something we're only just really getting to grips with, is making a very conscious effort to put more of that stuff up. But you've captured it completely, because I think one of the things I'm always saying to clients is actually people are interested in the process. What's it like to work with you? Not necessarily the end result. It's much more about this is how we take you through, this is how we use digital design and computational design. It'll be all of those types of things and the types of things that you're tinkering with and thinking about that's the stuff that people were really like, oh, I hadn't thought of that. Or could you tell me more? And mm-hmm. and that's how you ha- start having conversations, which I think is what you're after on social media rather than you blasting out, oh, here's a completed project. It's much more about how do we have two-way engagement and conversations with people. Yeah, it's interesting that. You de- we definitely find that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Engagement. I, mean, I think we completely rail against the idea of the glossy photograph because mm. – yeah, it's, it's it's not fun, is it? As you say, also you want to be known as the the thought leader, the the the, the company yeah. out there who's doing the thinking and the pushing. I and mean, if you if you put up your processes and some of the stuff you're thinking about, that then by default you are the person who's out there thinking about it. You know, 
The other yeah. thing I think has worked well for us is actually acknowledging where we work with others. Um, and I think there's far too often that we see people going, here's an amazing thing we did. And you go, well, that's nonsense. You definitely didn't do that by yourself. <laughs> and actually, I do think that there's been, we've done a fair few times recently, we've used methods on our projects that are taken from academia, where we've yeah. read a really interesting academic paper and we've gone, oh, that's cool. Let's, let's try and deploy that out here in the real world. Which is um, brilliant. Yeah. And crediting the different people involved and saying, oh, we took this amazing work from this person. And I think that's definitely, post where we've managed to do that, have really had a lot of kind of, they've spread really well because I think those people you mentioned, then presumably, you know, the people involved there kind of are excited to see their work being used. And then when we credit credit other people we work with, we also obviously get seen by the people who follow them. And I I think we've definitely found that almost, Sometimes the more people involved in the project you kind of include when you talk about the work you do, mm. then the, the greater that is. And I, and I think it feels more real as well. It goes, all right, yeah. there are 20 people involved in getting this thing built. That feels far more sensible than one creative genius. Um, I think that helps. Completely. And I guess as well, if you're involved in all stages of a project, then there's going to be so many people who are going to be chipping in with different ideas and different inspiration. And and so, yeah, that solution isn't just one person, is it? It never is. No, exactly. So, no, that sounds like a great idea. And, and that's all what social media is about, to be honest. So you're definitely in the right direction. So... <laughs> That's from that's my tenth cent worth. Um, so, in terms of, I guess, for any, because at the moment, I guess there's lots of spin off practices and new practices coming to the fore at the moment. So, are there any tips to any practices who are starting out at the moment that you'd give? <laughs> um, I think it was 2014 again, right? Take yourself back. I, I think the, the, the biggest thing is, I think I've mentioned already, which was um, establish, work out what you were very good at and establish a difference and then focus on that that difference and invest in research, invest in time, invest in people who are good at that. And I think then not necessarily promote it, but tell the world about it. So, you know, we're, we're brilliant at digital technology. So we, we, we don't, we don't necessarily focus on that and exclusion of everything else, but we, we're saying that, you know, we are the kind of the first generation of engineers who are post digital technology in that we've absorbed this, that's done. Now we're applying it. And that's what we're telling people. That's what we're mm. passionate about. But identifying that. So I think I, I do see some small practices start up and they all say, oh, we're great at doing concept design. And we, we, we'd love to work with you. I mean, it's done enough. What do you offer that's different? You know, yeah. What do you offer that's interesting to people? And they will learn and clients will get excited about. And I think that's, that, what kind of, that kind of bugs me when I do look at some of the young practices, et cetera. Having glossy photographs of the projects you worked on in your previous life yeah. is not enough. What are you about? Ooh, that's I, Yeah, I 100% agree. The other thing I wanted to put in is if you're a small practice, I've seen far too much, maybe it's old business practice to go, there's business and then there's personal. I think go that's on. Yeah. a small practice. And I also think that acknowledging that you are certain people, I, I hate nothing more than a website that doesn't say who you are. That is the worst. Like if you have a website, we well, are young practice doing this and that. And it's like, please get in contact, info at xyz.com. And it's no, who are we? Who are you going to be dealing with? I think as a small practice accepts that people want to work with 
people. They don't want to work with a machine. Absolutely. This. And I do think that, like, acknowledging that when someone rings up, they're going to work with, I mean, in our case, one or other of us is involved in most of our projects or, you know, one of the rest of the team. Yeah. And I think we, we acknowledge that straight away and say, yes, you'll be working with this person or with James or with Steve or whoever and going, it is a truly personal choice. You know, you will work with an individual lead engineer and others if the project is big enough. But I, I get really cross when I see it just being a complete black hole like you shout into the abyss and engineering work comes out i don't know how that's supposed to work i would double down on the people involved in the practice it, particularly now when people i think are craving human interaction even more i think that's something we i mean we didn't even think twice about putting all of our pictures on the website when we first started it was just immediately natural mm. but i've seen more websites than not that don't have that yeah I completely agree. I think the other the other thing, and this may be a, a personal way that I operate, is I suppose a sort of controlled arrogance. And you say, <laughs> right, we are the best. Yeah, I think to succeed, you've got to think you are the best and tell people you're the best without actually being in your, so in your fa- in their faces they think you're arrogant. You know, there's mm-hmm. a fine line between the two, but you've got to have a level of self confidence. Honestly, when you're starting a small practice, you've got to have a you've got a, a, a really high dose of self confidence and belief that what you're doing is the best thing. So therefore, that you will do well, and you, you, you I think you promote that. Also, people, I think one of the things I learned from uh, my my previous employers was people don't like bad stories. People like they like to engage with people who are positive mm. and have positive. Yep. And I think they keep keep that mantra up as well. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Positive story. How have you fared in previous recessions? Or I guess are we still in recession now? I'm not entirely sure. Or are we out of it? We haven't had the previous recession as format. No, it's no. too young for previous recession. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But so far, this this one, this I mean, some people, and there are some practices we know who are who have suffered, who are do have yeah. less people and people. I think that was my biggest fear by far was whether or not if it all got bad, we'd have to shrink. And and we really didn't want to do that. And I'm only like, well, we worked really hard, but I'm grateful that that was something we didn't have to do. Yeah, we grew, we grew. Yeah, we actually yeah. grew. <laughs> but it's actually some certain sectors, isn't it? It's like not all of the art sector, but certain pockets of it. Or it's it's, it's really kind of disjointed as to who's who's, do, who's doing well and who isn't and parts of hotels are still going well others aren't it's just it's, it's very up and down in terms of who's who's doing well and who isn't it's not just a one blanket thing um, and that's that appears to be holding up very well to be honest i guess i'm going to, just going to go to uh my final question which is basically what one tip would you give to a business leader about how to market themselves during this current time um, I, I think I might just repeat myself, actually, which is loud. And en- en- emphasize what you're good at, why it's different, and have a supreme level of confidence that you're better at that than anyone else's. Fantastic. And over to you, James. I think look at <clears throat> any spare time you get when you do get a, let's say, a slight slackening in work. Like do invest in that and 
spend some time researching something, doing something fun or something that's going to add to what you do. And exactly what Steve said, specifically make sure that what, what you pick aligns well with what that core direction that you, the way you're telling the world about yourself. Brilliant. Thank you so much for coming onto the show and being interviewed by me um, and putting out our internet connections. Um, thank you so much, James and Stephen. Not at all. All right. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the latest episode of Marketing in Times of Recovery. And I'm your host, Iowa Bass. If you want to find out more about the bi-weekly show, do check out the show notes, which will give you more information about who the guests are and all the things we've covered. Uh, and if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on an episode. Until next time. Bye. Bye.